July 3rd, 1984, the Unita Medical Facility. New employee Freddy, being shown the ropes, skeletons, and split dogs by his new foreman Freddy, soon discover the untold zombie story that inspired a classic film, as well as how shoddy military engineering can be as a toxic resurrection gas. 245 trioxin is released from the canister holding it, infecting them, and making the dead rise. Together with their boss Bert, the Martitian Ernie, and a team of punks named Spider, Tina, Chuck, Casey, Scuzz, Trash, and Suicide, we will face an army of the smartest, grossest, partingest, brain-eating, living cadavers this world has ever seen. This is the LV426 Degrees of Alien podcast, and we are talking Return of the Living Dead. Hello and welcome to another episode of the LV426 Degrees of Alien. I'm Andrew and I'm, as always, I am joined by Jason. Hello, Jason. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm exhausted. I just finished working uh, 13 hours, but I'm excited and I'm ready to party! Yes, uh, if you couldn't tell by that amazing uh, rendition of the theme song, uh, we are talking about the return of the living dead this week. And uh, you might be wondering, why are we going to be talking about this movie? Uh, It seems about as far away as from Alien as you can get. Rest assured, I will let you know why. But first... Really? You don't think think the listeners of this podcast know already? I'm sure they like... do. I'm sure oh, okay. they do, but I, you know, I'm putting a little bit like a, oh, you'll find out uh, yeah, after we do this. Sh- bomb, I, you know? I appreciate the showmanship. You know, usually you um, eschew those type of things, but you're like, you know, you're going all in today. I appreciate that. You're you're coming with the theatricality <laughs> that I'm sure was inspired by this film. I don't know what that says about my other podcast performances, but... I think they're phenomenal. They're just usually, you know, usually are like, you know, let's get down to business, you know? And I (laughs) I appreciate it. As always, we start with the segment, and I say as always, but we started the segment last time. But anyways, uh, we're for reports from the hive. Wow, you hear them xenomorphs. Uh, yes, this is when I talk about things that I have in, indulged in, let's just say. Send more xenomorphs. <laughs> Send more xenomorphs. Uh, but before we get to xenomorphs, we're talking predator, because there are two predator things that I want to talk about from my reports from the hive. Uh, you know, they break into hives all the time. They're predators. They kill a lot of xenomorphs. But uh, first off, I finished Predator Eyes of the Demon, the short story collection, and it was fantastic. There was only one story where I was a bit like, oh, I don't know if I need to know about how predators give birth, but everything else was quite, quite good. I would love to hear the complete details. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out, and I'll have you uh, in, in, be introduced to that <laughs> particular story. I'm soon. going to find out all the deets, you know? And um, I'm going to come back and report on the, uh, on the uh, Yacha, you know, uh, <laughs> the Yacha vaginal cavity, you know? Yes, the Yacha. Back. I call them the Yaucha. Some okay. people call them the Yacha. Yeah. They've Whatever. never said it online or on screen. It was just a thing they made up in the comic book. Oh, are there so. mandibles down there? You'll find out. Stay tuned. Oh, yep. <laughs> You'll find out if you read 
that short story. Uh, but the majority of the short story collection was just excellent. Uh, there were a lot of varying tones. Like, there were some that were, like, kind of comedy-based. Uh, there are quite a few that were, like, Predator coming-of-age stories, which were very, very funny because they'd be, like... Uh, like a minor squabble between predators and then you would like you'd be in their perspective for like most of the story and then it would just randomly like cut to like the human perspective and you'd be like oh yeah like they just murdered like a hundred people in the woods like it's just it's just fucking the breakfast club but it's all you know I mean? I mean they're like all kind of but not really, Sheedy but... Yajid has the you know, dreads <laughs> over the face you know what I mean eating a bologna yeah. sandwich you know <laughs> But, but, you know, like, you know, it, but it is funny, though, because, like, it, it'll be a story like that, and then, like, it'll, like, flash back to the human perspective, and it's like, yeah. they never went into those woods ever again, for it had this <laughs> realm of death that seeped into the soil from the blood that was spilled that day. And it was just very funny, because, like, it just, like, it'll be like, yeah, no, like, these are still predators. Like, <laughs> they still murdered, like, a bunch right. of humans. Right. And there was a there was also like a really amazing short story that was done by the guy who one of the writers from Phineas and Ferb, believe it or not. I do that show is very well written actually. It is, it is. But this was like uh, this was Ghost Story by Joshua Pruitt, which might have been my favorite of Sweet. all. Um, and that is basically like it tells the tale of uh, like uh, the Yaucha. But they 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 talk about it from like a ghost story perspective, and like it's like kind of like a, it's kind of a slasher story almost. Oh, I love this. And yeah, no, it's it's really good. It is a is a really good story, and it's a very unique way of uh, telling stories uh, about the Prito. Um So I I love that. Uh, but and and I don't want to spoil any of the other stories. They're all great. Even the pregnancy one is interesting, but. We will now go on to video games. Yes, video games. Starting off with Predator, Predator Hunting Grounds, which is a very, very fun video game. I I always have a lot of fun playing Predator Hunting Grounds. That is basically, if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like this, it's a multiplayer game where there's four people who play as like fire team members who are like basically like dudes who are mm. on a mission and then there's one person playing as the Predator. Uh, so this is like the Friday the 13th game. Kind yes, of. it's okay, by the gotcha. same people. It's, oh, okay. it's oh, by the same creators. So, oh, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it is uh, very cool in, in that regard. And they have, uh, they just put out the Bone Mask. So the Bone Mask from Prey is now in the game, which is pretty Sweet. cool. Yeah. And they've also, they brought a new uh, DLC pack, which has this very cool looking Predator called the Bionic Predator. And it's basically, like, uh, a predator that's, like, clearly been through some shit. It has all these, like, cybernetic uh, augments. Is this just, is this just like, they wanted to reuse the Jason X model from the Friday the 13th? And they just... <laughs> well, they never got to use the Jason X oh, model. Oh, they didn't? So, no, because the, it, cause the, the lawsuit came right, right before... Maybe that modeling, some of it was already done. And then they're like, let's repurpose it, you know? I mean, you're not completely wrong. There is, like, elements that are kind of, like, look yeah. a little Jason X-y on that. Yeah. that. That is a very funny uh, comment. I didn't even think about that, but... That's why I'm on this podcast. I'm the brains. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're the brains. 
<laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. No, like... no, that was fucking hysterical. <laughs> that was exactly the reaction that I wanted from that statement. It made it sound like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. No, that's moron. exactly the correct. <laughs> sta- that's the correct response to that statement. <laughs> oh god, I haven't, uh, I haven't got to play as a bionic predator, but I did beat it. Nice. I'm actually not too bad at that game, so. I, I, it's, it's one of the very few video games that I'm like sort of good at. So gotta, gotta hold on that, uh, pride, uh, the only pride I have in life. Uh, switching over to aliens, there was a new aliens fireteam elite, uh, expansion pack released, which was fireteam elite, the pathogen expansion. So this is... Uh, so if you don't know what Aliens Fireteam Elite is, it's basically like a squad-based third-person shooter where you go through a mission with, like, three other people. Uh, no, sorry, it's two other people. So the squad is three. So it's you and two other people uh, who kind of go through. There's, like, a campaign mission, and then you can replay it over and over again with, like, new additions and little things here and there. It's kind of, I guess, the the, the easiest, like, comparison would probably be, like, Left for Dead-ish probably like a, a good comparison okay yeah um That's so cool. they did a new expansion pack and and the new expansion pack i think it was like I, it's a very fun expansion pack i did like everything that i played on it i just think it's a little short mm. it's like there's only like three missions there and it wasn't as much as i was hoping like i i know you know in the the normal game there's only like four missions right so like there's like like in each mission had like three missions within it so when you like the way you play the game it's like a chapter i guess it's only it's only one chapter and the game itself is four chapters and it is a pretty cool little uh expansion pack uh but it does things that are like so cool that i wish there was just a little bit more so basically the plot is you're kind of going back into an area that you thought you had cleared out, but oh no, the Xenos are there, and they've been infected with the black goo. Oh no! And now they're white Xenomorphs. That's basically like this scenario. So they're, they're all these like white mutated Xenomorphs, and uh, you kind of go through and like fight them in a few uh, scenarios. And it was very fun. Uh, you only really fight the, the, the mutant Xenos, like, in two missions, though. Like, uh, and the first mission is just more of the Xenomorphs you know, and you're just, like, kind of getting introduced to, like, the mystery as, like, whoa, what's been killing the Xenomorphs? Oh, my God. It's like, oh, my God, Super Xenos. The story is the story. Like, it's just goofy, fun stuff. stuff. But it was very fun, and it actually ends with a boss battle this time, and you actually get to fight the queen. In the normal game, you you have to like run away from the queen; you don't get to fight. So mm. there's a a very cool fight scene with like a mutant queen. And uh, let me tell you, unlike Predator Hunting Grounds, I am not very good at Aliens Fireteam Elite, uh, but I did manage to join up with people who were good, and we <laughs> we managed to beat this expansion pack. The final boss battle is actually pretty tough. Uh, it is very funny because it's it's touted as being like, this is the first time you see an in-game cinematic for this game. And it's like three seconds, like maybe 30 seconds of the queen falling down. And I'm like, 
you should not have advertised this. <laughs> like, it's just the queen being like, I am mm. dead now. And just like falling on the ground. And I'm like, I don't think you needed that to be a cutscene. But oh. Yeah. And there was a few other cool, like, additional, like, costumes and stuff like that. So you have more uh, cosmetics for your, for your guys. So uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I, again, I just think it's a little short uh, for what they were asking yeah, for. Yeah, especially because I think the original game, I bought this game. I haven't played it yet, but I've had it for a while. It's like 30 bucks or something. Um, and, the, and the expense is like 15 bucks, isn't it? The U.S. is 15. Your made-up currency. Yes, 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 in the U.S. <laughs> one. All currency is made up. That's, that's the joke. Yeah, um, but... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like for, for what the price they were asking for, I was hoping for at least two missions. You know what I'm saying? Like at least two yeah. chapters. Yeah, that um, seems a little um, steep for the content. You know what I mean? If you get yeah. down like 10 bucks even, 10 US or like eight or something that'd probably be totally fine you know but yeah no i i definitely i definitely agree and 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 again i i guess there, there are more like if you're a person who is into cosmetic stuff there is a bunch of cosmetics you unlocked i don't really care that much about what outfit my character is wearing although now my character my lady is decked out in the uh suits from the original prometheus so you do so. care so what you're telling us is that you just lied to the audience. <laughs> and you deeply care about what your, you know, <laughs> pixel doll is dressed in, you know? Hey, whatever. She's cool. And she's got the helmet that, you know, that they wear in that movie. Yeah, hey, fuck it. Yeah. Um, there are some amazingly ridiculous enemies in this expansion that, like, got some people kind of mad. But I thought was was just, like, funny. There is, like, a berserker xenomorph who doesn't have a tail but has, like, these two, like, big club arms that, like, will come after you. And, like, people are like, mm, the lore for that makes no sense. And I'm like, it's a video game. It's, like, a video game thing, right? Like, if you see it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a kind of a creature I've seen in a bajillion video games. But now it's got, like, a xenomorph tinge to it, right? So it is always very funny where people kind of – some people take the lore a little bit too seriously. I remember when this first came out. Someone was like, oh, this doesn't uh, match with the RPG. And I'm like, yeah, guys, it, it, it doesn't have one. It doesn't have to. <laughs> Even the people who made the RPG are like, yeah, no, none of this is like hard canon. This is all like, hey, this is how the world is. But as soon as something else comes out, that's the new canon. Like, don't <laughs> like the, the people who made yeah. the RPG are like very chill. Like, because they're just like, yeah, no, like this is this is us making ev- all this elements now. But it doesn't mean that this has to be the elements everyone follows through, right? So I people are just kind of mad that there was, like, combat synths in it. And I was like, again, for me, it's like a, it's like video game stuff, right? I'm like, that's all just video game stuff to me. It's just like it does not bother me at all. Yeah, I mean, this is a podcast dedicated to fandom to some degree, right? Obsession with, you know, a couple franchises, at least a couple, right? Would you agree with that? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I think it's a uh, uh, it's a rational, uh, <laughs> reasonable. All I'm saying is if you I don't have a upset... problem, Jason. <laughs> all I'm saying is if you, the, all those things being said, if you get upset about a model in a video game, it might be time to get a friend in the real world. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I'm just saying, take a break, take a break, take a breath. You know what I mean? It's totally cool. It's just a video game. And go on with your life. You know what I mean? That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. 
People love you. People love you. You know? It's okay. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we don't they do. They do. Uh, do. They love you. Some people. Uh, not every person you want to love you loves you. Is this therapy? Are you <laughs> therapy to listen. this unnamed listener? Yes. Listen up. One, one of our 20 listeners you're giving therapy to on air now? Uh, yes. You know? And this is free, baby. This is free. <laughs> Unlike the pathogen expansion, um, which yes, is $20. This is not going to cost you $15. $15. Yep. And this will last a lifetime. Love you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, so that is our review and therapy session for uh, Alien Pathogen. Uh, I had a good time with it. I, I think that uh, hopefully it goes on sale, and then I would just maybe pick it up during a sale. Um, or if you're somebody who apparently, like me, cares about cosmetics take a look at some of the new cosmetics and armor stuff and uh if you think that that is cool enough too then uh feel free but yeah i had a good time with this i will definitely be playing more of it in the future because it's like a very fun three uh levels and the boss battle at the end is is very fun and is actually quite difficult so haven't been able to go and pick up any of the new comics lately so that is reports from the hive Get away from those reports, you bitch. Beep, 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 beep. Now, on to the feature presentation. <laughs> Rock up. What do you think? What do you think? Is that good? That was phenomenal. That's phenomenal. I can't believe you paid for those special effects. To the, <laughs> you how know, much it, you paid for those. It, it, you know what? It cost less than the pathogen expansion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Hard to believe. Today, we are talking the return of of the living dead directed by and the screenplay by bam, 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 dan o'bannon yeah better known sure. as the writer for the original alien <laughs> and dark star yep and the resurrected which we will get to as <laughs> well <laughs> yes which, uh, we will get to uh yeah so this is uh one of it's would you consider so let's before we get into this movie itself there is like a little bit of like what would you even qualify this movie as in terms of uh perfection well okay that's fair would you call this a pseudo sequel to night of the living oh that's interesting uh well uh, first trigger warning to anyone listening to this there's going to be uh, we're going to s some d's on this podcast <laughs> a lot <laughs> Who is that? uh, that's not a trigger like, i mean some people might be triggered by it i don't know i'm just letting them know i'm just letting them know up front this is going to be a love fest you know what i mean this is this is this is going to be a hard thing for me to honestly criticize i have unbridled love for this movie i uh it's almost a requel isn't it yeah it's like the first requel. Oh my god, you you you're going on that? Like I mean, I it is though. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying uh, that's a good or bad thing. In this case, it's a amazing thing. It's a brilliant thing because it's the first time anyone's really done it, right? But you're really saying what happened in Night of the Living Dead never happened, and this is the real story, right? That's literally said at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, yeah, you you are correct. You are correct, and it is, you know, a, a hilarious moment, right? Like. The way it's done in this movie doesn't feel cynical. You know what I mean? Like, the way I think we think of, of requels, they're cynical cash grabs, right? Like, you just kind of have to reboot because the franchise has gone awry. That's not the case, you know? Not, 
Day of the Dead is what? Same year? Or the year after? Or the year before? Just around the same time, right? Yeah, it's just around the same time. When is Day of the Dead? 85 is Return of Living Dead. Day of the Dead is 85, same year. So, yeah, that franchise is still what, going strong. What are you strong. talking about? Uh, it came out in 2021, Day of the Dead. No, we're not talking about that fucking movie. Oh, we're not? We're talking about the good one, okay? Oh. oh. <laughs> the, you know, and you have involved, right? Jack Russo, who was involved in Night of the Living Dead, right? Which is sort of, I guess we have to talk about that a little bit when you talk about this movie and the Of the Living Dead portion of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's a requel. I'm just going to stay stand on my own. A requel. On that. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, let's just get into talking about the John Russo of it all. This is where, like, you know, I know some Isn't people. is Jack Russo? No, it's John A. Russo. Oh, Jack oh he Russo? goes by Jack Russo. He's he's credited and um as Jack. Look, so that's why. No, no, that's I, that's where I got confused. I'm explaining. okay. That's fair. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Jack John Jack Rousseau. Uh, <laughs> uh, so he was the the co writer of the original Night of the Living Dead. So the original Night of the Living Dead, if you don't know, fell into the public domain because the rights were uh, how like was it. They just didn't put the copyright on that finished well, they, print. I don't know, but I I always thought, um, and I don't have anything. I, this is just what my I always believed. This might be apocryphal. Is like when they when Romero and Russo kind of went their separate ways. They divided what things they got from that. That was what I understood. And Romero's like, of oh, the living dad, I don't give a shit about that. Like, that doesn't really matter to me. Oh, like the title, like, I guess. The title he didn't really care about is sort of what, yeah. that's, that was my understanding, but that could be apocryphal. That's like, I've heard through the grapevine, not read anywhere accredited. So that, that was my understanding, but I could be completely wrong on that. I mean, that is fair because that's like the of the living dead thing continued with the, the Rousseau. I always thought right. the only I, I didn't realize that it was like a clear split. Like I thought it was just because they the original got ended up being um, like public domain because of how the original film was made. Like because the original Night of the Living Dead is public domain. And mm. that's one of the reasons why if you are ever watching a horror movie, Chances are, if characters in that movie are watching a horror movie, it's going to be Night of the Living Dead because they, there's no like, it's free to use for everyone. Um, sure. Yeah. So I always thought that was the case, but I think that actually probably makes more sense that there was like a, an official split, or it could have been just unspoken, right? Like, I mean, Romero's yeah. like Russo, do whatever the fuck you want. You have no talent. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, and and also like this is eighty five, right? Like, that's rude. By the way, that's I, accurate though. Romero. <laughs> uh, excuse me. In 1976, the man you are uh, insulting. Do you know what movie he directed? What movie, Andrew? The Booby Hatch. <laughs> a scientific genius invents equipment that tests the erotic levels of people. Mm -hmm. He sets out to find subjects for his experiments. Directors Rudy Ritchie and John A. Rousseau. Both of the people who are credited with the story behind this movie. <laughs> but anyways, uh, uh, and yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you're not completely wrong. Um, the <laughs> Russo actually has um, like a a fairly loved literary career because he he does he has done a few horror novels that are 
supposedly okay. I haven't read any of them, so I can't really say one way or the other. But I do know that, like, the movie we have before us is very much Dan O'Bannon. Oh, uh, for sure. <laughs> because for sure. Um, there is a hilariously, if you go on Amazon right now and, like, look up, like, Return of the Living Dead, like, the the, the book version, there is a, a script that's, like, released. And I, you you know John Rousseau is behind this. Because, like, the, the description is, like, this is the serious version uh. without all of the comedy that man dan o'bannon can you imagine watching return of the living dead and saying this movie needs less comedy can you fucking imagine holy shit uh but yes so a a straight version of this story exists out there Uh, and it's like i know there's like a book version by john ladies and gentlemen we all know the straight version of any story is always worse. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's it's just very funny that like you know there is a like Romero purists. I've heard some Romero purists get kind of annoyed that this movie exists. That's I don't really ridiculous. know why though. I mean, like I guess just because it came out the same year as Day of the Dead, but like in my opinion, like they're very different movies. <laughs> yeah, they're very very different movies. And I movies. love Day of the Dead. That's my favorite of the the Holy Trilogy. It, it's really hard to pick because like, you know, Night, Dawn and Day are like different. three of my favorite movies. And they're movies. all different. And they're all very different. Yeah. And I I don't think that there is truly any uh, reason to be like I refuse this other version because of that and it's like you know we are way past 1985 by now folks so well let's um can we just back up uh, can we do a Russo uh, rewind for a minute um sure I would urge you before we move forward and talk about Return of the Dead I would urge you if you have you want to question my feelings about the difference between Romero and Russo in 1999, the 30th anniversary edition of Night of the Living Dead released with, like, 15 minutes cut and 15 new minutes shot completely by Rousseau and put in the movie. And I would urge you, do not purchase it. If you can find the footage online, which you can, watch it. You know, if you have a night that you are interested in ruining, I would absolutely encourage you to watch it because it is... It is unwatchable. It is, it is, it takes maybe one of the most perfect, certainly one of the most perfect horror films of all time and derails it with 15, 15 minutes. Atrocious new footage. So, you know, yeah. So okay, we can go on. I'm not, you know, I don't want to bash the guy anymore. I was just going to say things like that are why certain people get a little bit up in arms about. The existence uh, of this because it came from Rousseau, but in the reality of the Return of the Living Dead is when you watch it, it's very much, very, very much Dan O'Bannon's movie, right? Like <laughs> it is Dan O'Bannon's movie. It honors Night of the Living Dead. It doesn't shit on his legacy. It just does something different. Do you know what I mean? It's not mocking Night of the Living Dead. Do you? I don't feel that way, at least. Maybe you no, do. maybe you no. think so. And maybe no. I'm maybe other people feel that way. I never felt that way. Like I always feel like it's here's a different spin on something I love, you know? It feels very much honoring that. Here's some differences 
right? We're going to do something different. And I know they're required to do some things different, but it's done knowingly. You know, in some ways, this is also like a proto... Because of that, it's kind of like a prototype of what Scream is. In the sense that you have characters that know what horror movies are because of that. Which is... Makes this film very unique for the time as well. So we can... I just wanted to add that spin, but go ahead. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, before we really get into the movie, the only other thing I want to talk about is, do you see any of Alien in here? Well, I mean, there is atrocious body horror in this movie. It is grotesque in the in ways that Alien is. Do you know what I mean? So the, the body, I do see, but I do think it's a very different film, obviously. Tonally, everything else, which makes it very... Uh, is a credit to Dan O'Bannon, right? Because it's tonally completely different and it achieves everything it wants to accomplish the way Alien achieves what it wants to accomplish in a completely different way. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's very true. And it's almost like... So, it's, it really is fascinating because, yes, this is completely a, you know, a comedy movie, right? There's a lot of comedy Ooh. in here. Well, sorry. I when I say completely, I'm lying. It's it is a com- it's a more comedic movie than most horror movies. Oh, for uh, sure. At yes, the very yeah. least, you could say that it's like a horror comedy. But I would say that the horror elements in here are really scary. Like I think there is some scary, scary stuff in here. In the in the way the best horror comedies are right. Like the best horror comedies in my mind are horror movies as well as comedy movies. They're not one or the other first necessarily the comedy is you know if you think of something like american werewolf in london or fright night right two of my favorite or in scream right three of my favorite or even Shaun of the dead Shaun of the dead right the horror is never takes a backseat to the comedy and the comedy comes from the horror and to some degree right how the characters are interacting in the horror world or universe that they're entrenched in you know so yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. I'm sorry, I cut you off there a little bit, but no, 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 no. That's fine. No, that that's uh, that gets everything that I really want to talk about, anyways. Because I just think that there is a lot of the 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 zombies in this movie are a lot more like emotive and like able to communicate much more so than most other <laughs> like versions of uh, of zombies. So you get some like horrifying discussions about them being able to like feel themselves rotting away and you're like oh goodness and some of that stuff is like really creepy is them just talking about what it feels like to be dead and like the pain of being dead uh really i'm just talking about that one scene with like that seems great yeah that (laughs) That scene well that scene is very i mean if i were to gather children together Right, who have never seen? <laughs> Z- no, no, no. Listen, hear me out. Don't um, show them this. I wouldn't show them that. I don't have to show them this. This is my point. If I was to gather children around, and say, what do zombies say? They would say brains. Right, and that is the only from this movie. Right, that's insane. That level of a cultural impact from this movie is already just it's it's absolutely bonkers right it's it, it's really quite crazy that the the concept of brains came from this movie and really from the line from the tar man right like it's literally 
him saying, oh, is so fucking cool. But yeah, I mean, but everyone would just think like that's from Night of the Living Dead, right? People who aren't in unbearable horror nerds like us, you know? <laughs> um, actually, I only eat brains in Return of the Living Dead. Watch a fucking uh. movie. <laughs> They, you know, I... <laughs> that's what you really want. You really bring the kids around to do that. That's what you do. You just want that's to what like, my kids yeah. are like, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> Let's be honest. The... <laughs> uh, my six-year-olds who have watched King Kong. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> they, you know, that's... that's... But that is, yeah, you're right. The cultural zeitgeist of this film is is the argument of the against those Romero fan purists, right? Because this film has a cultural impact that is far beyond its name. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's really so. it really is just wild to think that like before 1985, if you had like a zombie show up in something, it wasn't saying brains. It wasn't saying anything. <laughs> no, it wasn't saying anything. Well, that's true too, right? Like it's 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 very funny. Also, these zombies are running. Yeah, and there's no question about it though. Like it's so funny because like I don't even question any parts of that. Because you you still, oh my goodness, you still get people having these online debates. Uh, I know my name guys. Zombies can run. Do zombies? Mm. And it's just like it just. My name is Bill the Incel on the Bloody Disgusting Forum, and I am just sick to death of these 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 zombies that run. Those aren't zombies. Uh, so no, no, um, no. Yeah. He was not Bill. He would be one of the writers for Bloody Disgusting. Oh shit! <laughs> Shots fired. On this I podcast. have friends who write for Bloody Disgusting. I, I know. I that. know. We love you. We love you. It's all fun and games. Um, this is this is bloody and disgusting though. Let's be fair. This um, movie fucking is so punk rock. It's amazing. It's so fucking good. And I, it's very I, funny because like you know I you know you look at Dan O'Bannon. He doesn't look like a very cool dude. To be fair, he, he like, does look like the dude that probably hangs around in just a robe though, with like massage oils <laughs> around his house. So like. I can so, see so it. You're you know saying I mean? he's Alfred Molina from Boogie Nights? Yes. Like, yes. That's what you think he yes. is. Yes. That's how I picture Daniel Damon. Yes. A hundred percent. He is a Molina. You know what I mean? And that there's uh, nothing yeah. wrong with being a Molina. Who doesn't no, want to No, there is. But I, I just say, like, I, I, I was really kind of impressed by this movie for, like, being kind of, like, cool in, like, punk rock stylings. Oh, but there's goodness. more to it than just being, like, you know, most movies when you do like, oh, here are your punk rockers. They're just people to like be like the corpses and like to be the ones that are killed. And like yes. they do a lot of like very funny things in this movie to like kind of like subvert a lot of the tropes of the punk rock genre. Yes. And it it, 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 it is really one of those things where it just like it, it it's there for like at first it's there for comedy, but they they fulfill the ideas uh, that they are doing. So they, they'll have like a one-off line, but then they don't just kill the character off. So they embody this actual character instead of just being a one-off joke and then dying. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I'm, a, a couple things that just occurred to me when we were just talking about this, right? And, and I just want to touch on what you said because you brought something up originally, right? When you have... Who, who's was it Suicide the Punk with the, the lip ring? The, the punk yes. punk. Yes. Yes, yes, I believe so. Oh, my God. What a great performance that is. 
All of his performances are phenomenal. The same guy who in the start of Friday the 13th Part 5, The New Beginning, yes. that same year, yes. chops up the kid. Yeah. <laughs> chops up the kid with the candy bar. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make mention that, so. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, he died in that that actor, yeah. uh, Mark Venture, yep. Venturini, uh, died on Valentine's Day in 1996, only 35 years old. That's uh, Vic, that's, that's Vic in The New Beginning. So yeah, you know, two great, two two iconic performances, I'd say, in um, some ways. But I think Suicide's man in the short time that he gets, he just like subverts. Like he starts by being upset that his friends are just using him for his cards. Like that, <laughs> it's so it's fucking gold. Like he's just like you guys are just here to use. Me. It's so fucking good. And then like when Lenny Quigley is naked, humping his leg, he's like, show some respect for the dead. <laughs> fucking love it it is god god damn it's so good i love his line of like you know this ain't just a costume this is a way of life (laughs) yes um and that was what i was gonna say is like when i threw out the words punk rock and horror i think the first thing that at least comes to my mind and probably a lot of art people's is trauma right right this is like a good trauma (laughs) yeah that's yeah it's like a trauma movie it, yes, it's a it's a very smart movie, sort of masquerading as a dumb movie in many ways. Yeah, yeah, and and you know what? Some of the tropes that like you know just from the era, you, Miguel Nunez is around for the entire movie. Oh, he's fucking. Awesome. Spider is the smartest character in the and entire Spider's movie. Spider's like the smartest character yeah. in there, right? And this is a time period with like you know the the like uh, <laughs> it was not good for people of color no. in a lot of horror movies at no. this time. No. So. Um, especially a movie like this, right? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be so easy because you have all of these other elements that you could just be lazy about the characterization of this film. You yeah. could easily, like, you have, you know, we'll talk about the disaster of the effects and how the, how it worked out, I'm sure, and all that stuff, but, like, you have incredible effects. You could have, and I guess you don't know that when you're writing the script, though, right? This is just a testament to Dan O'Bannon's ability to write characters i think yeah yeah no and and that's one of the the strengths because like again like i would think especially with like the more comedic tone again i just find it so amazing how long certain characters survive in this movie after they have their introduction where i'm like oh that person's just like a one-off joke and then we're done and it's like you know and it's like the fact is like oh no they're not they're still around and like oh Mm -hmm. they're still talking and oh they're still having a big impact on the story i'm like oh this is amazing because it's one of the things like for comedy i always find like the the differences between like comedy and like most fiction I am a person who doesn't like continuity. Like, I just think continuity mostly, unless it's, like, pre-programmed in, hurts storytelling. What do you mean by that? Like, uh, the idea of, like, making, like, a a full-fledged movie series and, like, being like, oh, I have to be in the continuity that the other movie is. Yes, yes, I agree with that, yeah. But one of the things that I think is brilliant with using continuity with is comedy. And I think because it always makes it more funny Mm. if you have to acknowledge the absurdities that happened before so watching this reminded me of like one of my favorite tv shows right now what we do in the shadows sure in that like a lot of like ridiculous things happen in that show and then like 
four seasons later, they'll have like a character from that ridiculousness show up, mm-hmm. and like they'll like continue it on, like, oh yes, yes, how have you been? And, like, right, talk about right, that. Yeah. But the idea of continuity being great for comedy, just in mm. general, is, is something that I think this film really does well. In that, like, even when characters are zombified they still have like little elements that are still true to their character, which I sure. find very fascinating. Cause I always think about, uh, you know, the final thing with James Karen as Frank in this Ugh. movie, it's like super sad, but also hilarious. When he becomes a, becomes a zombie and he just kills himself. I say this with a hundred percent. With a hundred percent sincerity, James Karen puts on a powerhouse performance in the first half of this movie. Like he, and I don't, and I can even say he carries the movie because there's so many other great elements, right? But he is just slaying it. The way he's sort of playing this like child, both childish, like wanting to impress this kid, but also like trying to play like the mentor at the same time, like he's wiser, right? Um, and for comedic effect is pitch fucking perfect. One of my favorite thing, scenes with him is when it's like they've been dosed with the, you know, they've been dosed with the, the chemicals, uh, and he's like sweating bullets, and you can just see on his like shirt, he's just sweating. This ever. is a sweaty the pits movie. Yeah. Are like just oof, sweating, sweating, and he's just like freaking out, freaking out, freaking out, and then he gets on the phone to his boss, and he just he like fixes his hair. <laughs> He fixes his hair and then just plays it straight. Where it's like, oh, hello, boss. How's he it going? Puts oh, the phone yes. down to. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just such so... a masterful, hilarious comedic performance. It and really is. That discussion leads me to one of the other things about this film that is just kind of a revelation: is that this film has no protagonist. There's no mm. lead characters of this movie because you start this movie ultimately. I guess, I guess, technically, I guess Miguel Nunez. Which may also be a, um, you know, a, a tip to Night of the Living Dead, right? Like, maybe. Yeah, may, like, maybe. Uh, but you, you start the movie and you think, like, you know, the two the two kids, you know, Frank, sorry, Freddie, who's like the kid, and Frank, who's James Karen, who's like the, the mentor. You think that they are your main characters, right? Sure. Like, for the longest time. And then they bring in Clue Gallagher, and then he, Clue Gallagher, and he ends up kind of being the main character for a while, you think? And then Ugh. they go to the mortuary, and then once the plot plot happens, Frank and Freddy are dead. <laughs> like, they're still there, but they're dead. And then there's never any scenes where Clue Gallagher is not in an ensemble piece. Like, he's never on his own, so he's not really the main character either. He comes in after the opening. Our two characters that we started the movie with are dead, and then, but still doing stuff, which is also very funny. Uh, but they're no longer driving the plot forward. Uh, and yeah. it's really it's like the punks become kind of the lead <laughs> characters, but... Even them, they're, like, not in the entire movie itself. One of my favorite moments is early on with the punks, and they're like, we should call the cops. And they're like, no, they'll just come beat our ass. <laughs> Which, again, is so very, funny. very funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the attention to detail in this movie is, oh, my God, fucking perfection. Like, there's so, like, 
I, I just I can't get enough of it. Like it's like the, the split dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a here's something that I have I had a question with that I think is like what the movie is trying to say. Is the movie trying to say that the skeletons are actually all fake because none of them come back to life or everything else does? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Well, because we literally see it that in one of the, the moments with like the, like, it's part of time. You get like a skeleton with eyeballs, which is right. just amazing. Which but it's great, just yeah. a full skeleton. So I was thinking like, because they make a big deal about the skeletons like as, as a joke. Like, I think he's got like a... Um, you know, a skeleton factory over in India. Like, that's what I think is going on. So like, ah, nah, I'm kidding. And it's just like, uh, you know, when everything starts coming back to life, the skeletons don't, which instantly made me be like, are these all just like fake skeletons? And they look and like so fake like... skeletons where everything else in the movie that's a special effect looks incredible. Yeah, so that's, why, like... that's why I think it is like a kind of like a secret, like a little great joke and little moment that could be easily missed. Maybe. I mean, the butterflies flapping. Yeah, even the so butterflies that cool. are like on the pins flapping. I was like, hell yeah, that is so fun. And must have been like, all that stuff must have been hell to figure that stuff out. Like, oh, Well, I especially when know. you consider the special effects guy um, for the first half jacked everything up and they fired him. And then the new person they brought in had three weeks to do all of these effects, which are out of control. That Good. person did not sleep. That person did not sleep. Yeah. For I mean, this is a notoriously weeks. hell shoot. I evidently. would bet. So, I mean, I'm sure that that plays a role on it, but evidently, you know, our boy Dan was a ball buster as well, according to some of the people who worked on this. But you can't argue with the result of this, you know? It's hard to argue, at least for me. But, like, uh, the split dog shit, when he, when <laughs> our boy James Cameron, Karen, I keep wanting to call him James Cameron, James Karen <laughs> gets the crutch out and starts beating the dog. I it is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. James Karen's avatar. I just want to say <laughs> He beats that fucking little dog and it's yelping as he's hitting it with a crutch. And it is fucking hysterical. It is so funny. And it keeps running. I... Oh, God. <laughs> yes. So funny i don't i it's will never not be hysterical to me that and like when, when they bring all the the clue gallagher line when they bring that dog half dog and everything else to the mortuary and like don don calfa who plays uh ernie the, he's great the too mortician who's just a great character yes is, 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 is like what do you got in those bags? Clue <laughs> Gallagher's like, uh, oh, rabid weasel. What a funny joke. What a fucking and then funny I love, joke. That's a very funny joke, but I love that the the way that it, like, it doesn't let that just sit because Ernie's like, Correct. well, I'm not just going to let you burn, burn a bunch like, of fucking weasels. They're live animals, you dick. <laughs> yeah, he's so like, at good. the very least, like, let me go out and I'll, like, shoot them. Like, <laughs> put them out of their misery. And like, then it's just like, fuck, all right, fine. We have to tell you what's actually going on. That, that's exactly what I mean. Like, a dumber, or actual dumber movie would never go that to that length. No, no, because because it just it adds an, an extra level of character to Ernie himself, right? Like, it is very funny. Like Ernie is a very good character to talk about in the fact that he doesn't really fall under any of the like mortician tropes at all in this. Except movie. for him eating with blood all over him. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> I guess, of course. Well, you have to have a meeting at some point. I mean, that, that's tradition. But he's not constantly eating. No, And no, he's no. also not, like, constantly, like, 
not like dead to the world right like he does uh seem to actually like have a soul right like he, he cares about things he has things he cares about and then it's 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 never until he gets right his back right up to the wall where he kind of becomes a piece of shit near that ending <laughs> where like he's holding tina like at gunpoint well i think he thinks no i think he's thinking i'm gonna kill her before she gets you know what i mean like i think he's I think I think he is trying to gonna. I think what he was thinking is that he was gonna try to bargain his way out with her. Oh, maybe. Oh, that like, never occurred like, to me. And be like, ah, Freddie, like I will shoot her, and you will not get to eat this person you love's brains, and like because he's really after her brains, right? So I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. We, but the thing is, you we don't know because they right. all get nuked. Another <laughs> which, which brings us to our next point is that this movie is very nihilistic. Like, oh, yeah. It's... This is a dark fucking movie. Well, I, I just want to hit one more point before we move on to that, which is none of the – aside from Leo Quinn's character, none of these ca- – which is a joke in and of itself, I know, right? None of these characters are one note, right? Like, right. they're bringing more to the table than you expect, right? And, and I know sort of hammering that point home, but I think it's really important – because it's just, again, a testament to, like, all of these characters you like. So it's capable of doing what you brought up before, which is you don't have to have a single protagonist. Because, like, for they, they're all sort of smart, right? They're all likable to some degree. You know, the, the, the moment where they burn the bodies, right? You're like, of course that's what he's going to do. Like, that's what I would do in that situation. The, the the fucking up in this movie, the two fuck-ups, the first one is, yeah, kind of dumb. Hitting the tank is dumb, but it's <laughs> well, a fucking but, like, phenomenal joke. It's a joke that <laughs> is worth it, which is, <laughs> this is the Army Corps engineers uh, <laughs> that slaps it and it just fucking falls apart, right? And, but, like, that's the entire point of the movie, though. Well, that's yes, of the course. Thing. That's, of like, course. The, the, yeah. that one joke, though. Is the is the whole impotence of the movie right. in that everything that you think is keeping us safe is actually what's going to fuck us over at the right. end? Right, and, bur- and, and burning the body just makes sense. Like, what else yeah. are you gonna do? Let's render it into ash. To ash, the heart, everything is the bones going to be gone? Yeah, the bones are going to be like. <laughs> I the, love. I do love that like scenario. I'll turn it up hotter so there's no fucking bones. <laughs> All right, uh, you know the heart is the one that uh, thinks the most. And it's like, well, we can't have just a beating heart. We got to get rid of that heart. Right. Fine, I'll fucking put it up higher. But when it, like, goes up into the clouds and starts raining, you're like, motherfucker, I'd be fucked, right? And that leads into the nihilistic part of it is that nobody survives this and could survive this. So we can, let's go on. Well, even, like, the final shot is they nuke it and then the nuke, all the radiation and the, like, the zombie juice rains down and everything is going to come back to life now so the right. entire world is fucked right right like, right it is uh it is very funny in that in that regard because it's really it is all about because because you know I, I i think most movies of this caliber are like we have to make sure that they can't get a hold of the cops because as long as soon as they get a hold of the cops like the cops would take care of it which is not true. Well, th- this film is punk rock and hates authority. One, it does, but it does, but it also goes, oh no, they can get the paramedics here, no no problem. The phones work. They can call the paramedics and get them here. Okay. 
and the paramedics. They bring in more paramedics. Eventually, they get the cops in here. And it's like all these things of authority that nor in normal movies are like, you know, every Friday the 13th movie, how it ends is the paramedics show up and the police show up. And it's yes. like now we're saved and they will we our final girl will go off into the world. She kills Jason first for obviously, right? But the but the that that idea is that's the safety net that ends most movies. Text chainsaw to some degree, yeah. right? There's just a stranger coming in and rescuing, right? Yeah, and it's like this idea that like we are fucked but someone will come and rescue us and this movie is like no. That actually right. just going to make it worse. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, and that's why I wanted to step back a minute because I think the only reason that works and isn't depressing is because of how smart this movie is. Both on a satirical level and just like how we get there, right? We get there because that's the only me- the only thing the characters have left. Like when they're calling the number on the tank, there's no other option, right? Like what else are they going to do? They've tried everything else. And, again, it's one of those things where I love how they, they do try everything else because, like, I love how it's like, oh, they're in the car. Now they're going to escape and be safe, right? And it's like, nope. <laughs> they're going to get fucked over. And also some terrible driving also gets them screwed over. But I do love that idea yeah, of, like, but... oh, we'll all get in the car and we'll be safe. And it's like, nope, nope, you're not escaping this. Fine. Your last option is to call the number on the tin. <laughs> they just nuke them. I mean, I guess you could argue that they shouldn't have stopped at the other medical building anyways. They should have just kept going and leave. But there's like a spider has like a, you know, is very reluctant to leave anybody there too, right? Like there's there's an element of him like being like, I, I don't know if I can do this, right? Like he is a moral panic throughout this movie when it comes to leaving his friends in the chapel, his friend in the chapel. But he's ultimately like, I have to do this. Like, he makes the smart decision, whereas, you know, and, and, you know, I think it's Tina does make the dumb decision, but, you know, there's not a lot of time spent on that, right? Like, there's not a lot of time spent on, like, I love my friend so much, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to shoot you, which you see in a lot of lesser zombie movies, in my opinion. Right, right. And and I just think, it, this movie is a tightrope walk, and it hits every element perfectly, the tone, the writing, the horror, the comedy, the characterization. It's just pitch perfect when it comes to those things. The effects. I guess we should talk about the effects, right? Oh, I guess. I guess we should talk about uh, the effects. I guess effects. we have to. The, the Tar Man is probably, Iconic. to me, probably one of the best special effects ever put to screen. Like, that is an amazing effect. It just looks so cool. It's man he doesn't get a lot of time but he leaves an impact i love that the tar man instead of just like she locks herself in that cabinet right <laughs> the tar man like uses creates like a, a winch to, to rip down he doesn't just tear the thing apart he fucking comes up with a pulley system and a winch to try to rip the, the door down the tar man is smarter than me i would not yes. have <laughs> like i would not have made that connection i couldn't do that I, I was like, damn, Tarman, he's smart. This dude's like, a that's... fucking genius. <laughs> he should be running the world. Do you think the Tarman is uh, they're coming to get you, Barbara guy? I don't know. Like, do you think it's a character from Night of the Living Dead? Oh, maybe. It's supposed to be the Tarman? 
I because I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Like, I don't know because it's like uh, it it does seem to be in some kind of like a suit like ish. Mm. Um, it's hard to tell because it's so slimy. But um, you know, I just oh, my, this is a remarkably now, like, slimy um a suit. Um, I know part of it's a puppet, so he's a slimy puppet too. Who doesn't love a slimy puppet? The amount of facial expressions they get are oh, the facial articulation is crazy. unbelievable. It's crazy, man. Like it really is. Like it just makes you look at. Like I mean, again, I don't mean to be this person on every podcast, but it usually looking at the effects from this movie and then like watching like most CGI fests now. It's like you don't feel the same connection you do. Like the physicality of the tar man is like really you feel like you know he is a threat you can feel every time he like breaks it down a door Ugh. every time he like makes a pose and he's coming at him and like it just feels real and it's like it's not that cgi can't like good cg that like mixes the two because like you know prey prey was awesome sure. because it mixed practical and cgi right and did it very smart in that way and it's it's not that it can't be done. It's just that most of the time it doesn't happen. And even with Prey, the actual like prosthetic face on the Predator looks great. We just don't see much of it, right? And this, you get a, a great look at the Tar Man all the time. Like the Tar Man is amazingly well lit from like all these angles where like normally if you have a character that's like this complex of a effect, you wouldn't have them so front and center. He the way he moves too is just god bone chilling brain and when he bites suicide's head it, oh it in that and the spaghettios come pouring out of his scalp it is so gross uh it is so good it looks amazing and that and i know that that's a giant head puppet um that they use in that scene but it just looks fucking great man it looks yeah. so good and it's again three weeks, three fucking weeks, Andrew. They got that done because this is a six-week shoot. Also unbelievable. What? This entire movie was six weeks. Yeah. Wow. That's a right. At least maybe somebody there has. But that was my understanding. Six weeks they got this done. I don't freaking know how you manage that. Oh my goodness. We've been talking about a lot of things uh, about this movie. Uh, we have not really mentioned Lania Quigley's role. I think I think she's great in this movie. By the way, like I don't even mean that tongue in cheek. Well, I think I think she's I think she's great in this movie. One, because like she went through some like the prosthetics at the end and like the amount of makeup and everything she would have had to go go through for this mm, movie in the second half, right? In the second half, yeah. I'm like, wow, that's like. Great. That's asking you to do a lot, though. Like, was, no part of your body is not being covered with blue dead paint, is what I'm saying. And it's, I think that this is from Linnea Quigg. I think this is a very tongue-in-cheek role for it her. It is. Yeah, Because yeah, is. in a lot, like, w what happened in most of her movies during this time was she was that character, but, like, that was it. They did, She didn't get to do anything else, right? Like, it was just, she was a character who, like, would show her boobs and then die in a lot of these early slasher movies, right? And this is, to me, this seems to be kind of one where she's kind of, like, going along with the joke and, like, actually having fun with it. Whereas, like, there's some earlier movies where I just don't, I don't think she's having as much fun with the fact that she's, like, being exploited. Like, it feels a little bit more exploitative. Like, I don't know, like, Silent Night, Deadly Night, when she's, like, horribly well, murdered. Well, yeah, that, like, the antler scene, yeah. 
Yeah, um, and like you know, you know what I mean. Like, and that's a terribly exploit. And I, I'm a huge fan of that movie. Actually, this is a very exploitive movie. It's a very gross movie in some ways. In that way, right? Am I am I off base on that? That's just my feeling. Punish. <laughs> but yeah, it totally is. I mean, I think she even makes a joke when they get in the car about like being naked or whatever, right? Yeah, and I I've never heard her talk about this movie, so like I don't want to say that I'm like putting words in her mouth right yeah no i don't i don't know what her experience was well that's just the sense you get watching this movie that it's fun you know what i mean yeah and and i think it does like mark a point in her career where she kind of got to be kind of more of the powerhouse in these movies right like this is near that time when she you know five years later she's doing releasing her own straight-to-video horror workout tapes, right? Like (laughs) Linnea Quigley's horror workout. And it seems like this is that point in her career where she was not just the the, the victim anymore. She actually kind of was like a a draw to movies. Yeah, and I don't know how she feels about this movie. A lot of the people in this movie do not have fond memories of it. So I wouldn't be surprised if she hates hates having filmed this movie. But I don't think that invalidates what you're saying in terms of what it did for her career. Because I know everyone talked about that scene, right? Every dude I know saw this movie a hundred times for that scene. Right, yeah, yeah. And I think it's so much more than that. Well, because it's a, it's, a, it's a great performance, I think. <laughs> like, well, and like, you know. It's funny to say, but yeah. Well, I, well, I don't think it's funny to say at all. I mean, I think, you know, you have all these people fully clothed and like you are expected to do a full performance with nothing oh, to like yeah. shield yourself behind, yeah. right? Like I think it's like incredibly hard to well, do they're all a, like, a scene get, and acting like that. Grab grab a torch, she's getting naked. Get her <laughs> And they have this like amazing stupid dance sequence that's very funny. Oh, it rules. And I just think like in most movies they would have that moment and then next scene, she would have, like, all of her clothes back on, right? Like, I think that's... And, like, this movie, it seems to be, like... Stuck other, naked. Yeah, it seems to be one of those things of, like, okay, but well, what would happen if you just kind of got stuck that way? Like, like throughout the rest of the movie. And, like, I think that's where, like, a lot of these funny moments come from, where she's basically, like, fuck, well, I it's really, <laughs> It's really funny to me, because when I was a teenager, obviously, Lene Quigley's an incredibly beautiful woman. Um, right, Stunning, right? right? And obviously, I found that, that it found it titling when I was a teenager. But now I find it more funny than I find it titling. Like when I watched it, I wasn't really that turned on. Was it gonna ask? But you know what? I don't need to know, Jason. No, I'm just. I mean, you know. I know. I know. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. just saying. Like, I just didn't find it that titillating in a weird way because it's so much funnier than it is that to me. Well, it just feels you know? very tongue in cheek. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it's it's yeah. So it's 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 interesting. It's interesting in that regard. And again, like it is a performance because it's very funny. Because like, there's that scene where she's like, you know, <laughs> she's so like, over the top. I mean, her first se- yeah. sentence, I think, is like, "What was? What would you ever? Th- would you ever think about being murdered?" <laughs> <laughs> I think about old men eating me. And that's what happens to her. To her of course, yeah, it's very much like Cabin in the Woods when he gets eaten by the fucking mermaid, right? Like, it's... right. Exactly. It is almost exactly like that scene yeah. where she's like, and then she gets eaten by old men who like eat her alive. And her delivery of those lines are impeccable. Well, like, great. Like, I, I think that's what I mean. Like, it's like, it's, it's, she plays it dead seriously. 
And that's what makes it so funny. Yeah. And, like, it's not easy to do a performance like that where you are stripped bare and have to, like, still be, like, a character as well. And I think that's that's one of the big strengths of this movie. You know what's very funny is that I, I think one of the characters, one of the main characters we were talking about, Freddy, obviously, one of the, the lead characters we're introduced to at the beginning. Sure. Tom Matthews. Um, I... I have seen Friday the 13th Part 6 a bajillion times, mm-hmm. but Tommy Jervis never comes into my head while watching this movie, which I just think is very impressive. I mean... Because I had watched Tommy... I had watched Friday the 13th Part 6, which came out the next year and has kind of a similar tone to this movie in a lot of ways, uh, now that I think about it, uh, but from a more specific uh, tackling of it on a franchise level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I didn't think of him... Like, I just think he's, like, great in this movie. Uh, and what he does in this movie, I'm never thinking about him in other movies where, you know, other actors, that's not the case. And I, and Friday the 13th Part 6 is, like, my favorite Friday the 13th movie, and I watch it all the time. It's so, great. Like, it's yeah. very funny that. You know what, though? I just don't, even so, right? And and, and 6 is a. You going to insult him? No. Tom Matthews? No, I just don't think of him as Tommy Jarvis. Like, I always, so I always picture you know, uh, you know, Corey as... Oh, no, no, no. You it, picture the the now uh, super religious guy from part five. We know. <laughs> no, I don't. I never, I never picture Corey. I always picture yeah, him. Yeah, and I actually think Six is a superior film. Like, I just think it's a great film. I, one of my favorite 13th films. Maybe my favorite. It's just I don't think of him as Tommy Jarvis for whatever reason, you know? And I don't no, think he's even fair. bad in that movie. I don't even think he's bad. And he's great in this movie. He's gr- yeah, he's great. When in he this turns movie into the zombie, he is fucking scary, horrifying, man. He's scary. Yeah, and he's got like the 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 makeup on him where he's like, well, they pour the acid in his face. Yeah, yeah, they pour the acid in his face, and he's like, no more eyes, and now he's just like this horrifying <laughs> performance. Tina. Oh my god, it's so scary. It's it's one of those things where it's like this movie balances comedy and then like just straight up spookums. Like it's very it's like some scary stuff in this. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's good. Seemed like a good term. Seemed like a good term. <laughs> I don't have a bad thing to say about this movie. And I'm going to say that Daniel Bannon directs the shit out of this movie. I know he's only directed one other movie. Yeah, it's very weird. And I've heard great things about The Resurrected. I haven't seen it yet. We're going to watch that for this podcast. I can't wait. But I hear it's fucking also awesome. Yeah, so that, that'll be that'll be interesting to, to hear. I think we'll probably be on a Dan O'Bannon kick for a little bit because I think what we're going to do is next week, in two weeks, we're going to talk about The Resurrected. But then I also want to talk Life Force and Dead and Buried. Sure. So. I have not seen Dead and Buried, so I'm looking forward to it. You've that. never seen no. Dead and Buried? Nope. I've had it on my list forever, so I'm very excited. And when you told me we we're going to be watching it, you know, I'm going to wait to watch it first time fresh. I've got you know? I've got the novelization. Maybe I'll read the novelization. I hear it's great. I hear it's phenomenal, so I can't wait to to watch it. But yeah, but I I you know, it just this is this is the greatest movie to start off on a Dan O'Bannon kick. This is the greatest movie to start off doing anything. Like it's just a fucking great. <laughs> movie. Like I watched I took a lunch at work. And was like, I'm gonna go watch Return of the Living Dead and then come back to work. Like and it was perfect. Pitch perfect. I ate my lunch and watched this movie. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I I think that you know, I don't often when I'm watching movies nowadays 
wish I was watching it with a crowd or like have this would be yeah. so good in a crowded movie theater. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like this like if I was ever hosting like an all night movie thon, like this has to be like smack dab in the middle, get everyone's spirits up and like let's get this party started. Um, this is a movie I would love to see with a crowd, and I don't say that often because I don't well, like crowds or people. Well, movies so. like this, like pitch-perfect comedy horror films like this, are made for crowds, right? Because yeah. the, the reaction, like this reanimator, right? Yes, which we which we saw in in, in and the it's, theater. It was together. fucking so good. Like it's so much fun, right? Because it's I like I was too drunk to talk about what I thought of that experience. But but this that's a very similar movie to this, right? Like it is very Yeah, I was thinking about watching it at, right after this cuz I was thinking like I was trying to do like a double feature of that because Be a good like, one like, for this. Yeah, yeah, like the reanimator uh, I just think this is better than reanimator. I mean, it's not that far off, though. Like, Reanimator's a fucking solid-ass movie, especially Jeffrey Combs' performance. I think Reanimator is a good movie. I will okay, okay. Um, it's not my favorite, but yeah, it's... it's. I, I think it's a, it's a good movie, and I enjoy quite, it quite a bit. I just think that, like, the Barbara Crampton stuff in that actually feels exploitative. You sure. know what I'm saying? Like, sure. it feels yeah. gross. There's a grossness to watching that movie, where, like, even yeah. though there's, like, a similar amount of TNA in this movie, I didn't feel gross while watching it. So, yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you're just mad that they throw a cat in Reanimator, really, is what that boils down to. Yeah, of course. The cat treatment is... They, like, mm. beat up, like, a half a dog in this movie, and I'm like, cool. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> the dog's already me. split. <laughs> yeah, the dog's dog. <laughs> They just have a fucking... <laughs> shelf of split dogs what are they doing with those split dogs are they just it's sending so them fucked up that they're real because i'm like why wouldn't you just make them a bottle like that's so fucked up. <laughs> split dogs oh, God. It, it, <laughs> there's also like so many little gags in this movie there's if you look there's like an eye in the in the office there is a what looks like a, a optometrist sign like the the letters but it spells yeah. out Bert is a slave driver and <laughs> is um a cheap piece of shit or something like that and it's so <laughs> fucking good <laughs> that's so uh, good my my favorite delivery has to be when <laughs> when they're like you gotta hit his head Bert you gotta hit gotta oh, hit him in the brain Bert oh, and he's like the the the, the pick is literally through his head and it's in the zombie's head and like sticking up to the ground. It's like, I'm pretty sure I hit the head. Like, I clearly hit the brain. Do you mean the movie <laughs> lied to us? <laughs> Very self-aware moment. We don't get zombies like this too often. Like, I think it's like the, the way zombies are portrayed in this film seems pretty original to it. Yes. Is it is it really emulated much which i'm kind of surprised by other than the brains part right like i think in the running i guess comes later right and the running comes later on but but even when you're when when other films lesser films mimic this film with the brains the zombies are still stupid these zombies are smart right they're they're uh, smart may be an overstatement they're crafty right like they are thinking through what they're doing they're not in that way, like, I guess Land of the Dead sort of does that too, right? But that's more of a social Same commentary. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, um, obviously that's a very different movie. But I'm just saying, yeah. like, this movie, they're 
you so know, I didn't mean to send, cut you off with my no, you're fine. reading of lines. S- send more cops, right? Like, obviously, the famous um, hilarious line, right? So I, uh, sorry, Land of the Dead is, yeah, it's it's a different type of, the, it's like, it's different. It's them relearning how to do yeah, things. Right? Yeah, of course, like, yeah. This is this. I want to say uh, that line, the send more cops line, I always thought that was like a zombie, like, film usher. Like, I didn't realize that was supposed to be like a, a Confederate general zombie. Like, I didn't realize that. I just thought he kind of looks like a, like, a, to me, he just looked like an usher from like a film. And I thought they just like buried a film usher. In the if this is showing that Andrew is in Canada because if you were in the United States, there's just dudes walking around in Confederate shit sometimes. You know what I mean? Uh, and and just... they they also want to send more cops, but for very different well, reasons. So yeah, um... maybe maybe he's just a reenactor too. We don't know whether he's you know maybe he's just a Trump supporter. Okay, okay. I know. I love the idea that a reenactor gets buried in the fucking. Those uniform. people, those people, would do that shit. That so, is, that is very funny. <laughs> I, uh, I I do just love that that line. I always forget though that that line is not out of nowhere. It starts with "send more paramedics." Yeah, yeah. And, like I, I always forget that. Like they ask for more paramedics first, and then the cops come. And well, there's yeah. also the ones dressed the one that dresses up as one of the cops, and then like ushers parks them, and then they eat them. I thought that was that so cop good. became a zombie. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's hard to tell. You know, it's hard to tell. It doesn't matter. It, what matters it doesn't matter. Is... It's all fun and and just uh, a blast. Uh, it's just very. Well, funny. What I mean I is that like... either way, they're smart. They know. Yeah. Yeah. They know. They they're willing to trick people, right? Well, and they hide, and that's the scariest part, right? Because like when the when the like the you know the paramedics show up, the second paramedics show up, they're like. Oh, what's going on here? There's like, there's like nobody here, and like one of our guys on the ground, and then they 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 go to look at what happened to him, and then they all come out of nowhere from the sides and then just like swarm fucking them. Rules, man. It's so it's it rules, so... but it's also fucking scary as fuck. Like it's. Scary. I know, those of you who are listening, we've been all over the place talking about this movie, but I just get so giddy about it. Like I'm like a fucking fifteen year old seeing a movie for the first time. Every time I watch this movie, like I just think it's pure create it's the creative elements of this movie are just inspiring too in ways that even i think quote unquote more serious quote unquote better movies don't spark my imagination the way this movie does you know yeah yeah i mean this is not a film this is technically a cult classic right 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 but this is a critically beloved movie though too like critics love this movie of every level. I, I think it is. I don't know if I just don't think people talk about this as more. Like it's very odd because uh, I'm I'm not really sure why. And I always just I don't know why there aren't more like merch for this movie. Because like you know you always see the you know the classic and the amazing Dawn of the Dead poster everywhere as like shirts great poster and, and everything and it's a great poster so I'm not I'm not trying to decry I have a that. Day of the Dead shirt with the hands coming out of the wall that's an iconic image too you see that all yeah, over the place yeah and you I just don't see too much Return of the Living Dead merch I'm gonna get on that you know I, I think I think the sequels really hurt this movie to some degree it's okay so, so that's something that. that's interesting to talk about chat about just because you just brought it up right now let's talk about how this is the start of a franchise which is 
like it's not because like the next movie is basically like a remake but it switches things around a little bit i think return of the living dead 2 is is a fun movie it's um, okay i think three is better actually but but they're three all is the more loved one yeah. i i have some issues with three, three I but i think it's, it's issues with two too like i have issues with all right, all, right. everything after one right like no issues with yeah. one and the fourth one is Abomination. I've never uh, watched past and I never plan to. Don't bother. I just never. I, the, okay, on. those movies, like the the, the sequels to, to this, because this game, a franchise with like ah, eight entries? Oh, my God. Is there really that many? I thought there was only four. But maybe you're right. No. Holy shit! I gotta get on that and just watch some all of these, you know, just well, to say I did. So <laughs> I didn't know. There are uh, oh, Return oh, of the Dead only... Five, Rave to the Grave. Yeah, sorry, there are only five. So I thought that there was like I thought the the Necropolis and Rave to the Grave were like seven and eight, but those two movies are was so cheap and so hated by everyone uh, for good reason. Uh, I've never seen them, but I just hear they're very bad. Uh, But you could literally, there was like an eBay listings for, hey, I own the rights to these films. (laughs) Give me like $5,000 and you can have the rights to both of these films. (laughs) And like everything in regards. (laughs) So like the, the, the franchise is like, this is not a franchise that is good this is a a movie that is good that has a wild and very bad franchise but it is so funny that like like they were just trying to find someone to take the rights to these movies off their hands and like for super cheap for like and it was literally just them being like please i don't want to have my kids to like Get this, like the rights to Necropolis. <laughs> How much do they want for it? It was like I swear it was like it was like only a few thousand dollars. Like it really was not. All much. twenty of you, if you send us five dollars, <laughs> we will go out and buy Necropolis, the rights to Necropolis, <laughs> and we're gonna remake it. Okay. <laughs> okay. For five thousand dollars, we're also gonna remake it. Uh huh. <sighs> it's yeah. probably a bigger budget than the original movie. <laughs> Oh god! Oh I, god! It's just a—it's just crazy that this is like a, a franchise, and very, very weird and, and wild. I do like how Return of the Living Day two brings back Tom Matthews and James Karen in sure. like different roles. Yeah, that was probably easily the best part of of the the sequel. Yeah, I love James Karen. He's fucking great, man. He, he, he is, is so great, good. and they they play like grave diggers in yeah. the second one, and it's, it's very funny. Like, and they have a great chemistry together. Yeah, it's very surprising. Like, honestly, like you know, you could have had like you know an Abbott and Costello thing with them if you kept partnering them up as like a duo because. I think I think you could have done more with the, them as a as a duo than than they did because I think they only had those two movies together. But. He's also in um one of my childhood favorite films, Invaders from Mars. To- I think it's Toby Hooper, is it? That's Toby Hooper. Yeah, Invaders by Mar- Invaders from Mars though is also written by Dan O'Bannon. Yes, he sure is, and uh, that's a lot of fun. That movie, we, we should slide that in if we can. Oh, you know. we can, yeah, okay. and we will.
But with James Cameron's tell James Cameron, I keep calling him James Cameron. James Cameron. <laughs> James Cameron. When he di- when James Cameron directed Terminator Two. <laughs> when he's like I recounting, love, I would love to see James <laughs> Cameron's Terminator Two. Be fucking awesome. He only would have made one of those fucking Avatar movies, I tell you that. <laughs> oh, God, because he's dead. Um, uh, but he's retelling the story of Night Living Dead, and he does that face with the fucking tongue sticking out. I can never, can never get enough of it. I can never get enough of it. Uh, yes, it's, as you can tell, we are big fans of this movie. It's and fucking, we are if just... you listen to all of this and haven't seen this movie, what are you doing? Like, this movie, we, we couldn't spoil this movie. It's just too good. No, and it's it's very funny because I'm not really a person who like will quote lines from movies often. Like that's not really a thing that I do as like a, you know, some people like that's half their personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this movie's just so quotable you can't help it. Like it's this, just uh, this and Fifty Shades are the two movies that you quote all the time, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, give me some more. Hit me hard. Hit me harder, Daddy. You say that all. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I don't know the names of any of the characters in those movies. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Uh, anyways, uh, before <laughs> we end uh, this, uh, the only other thing I think is probably worth talking about is the amazing soundtrack to this movie. Oh, man, I have the soundtrack and listen to it all the time. Not just not just even the music, but, like, the actual – I mean, not the score, right? Like, that synth score fucking yeah, kicks ass. Yeah, it's really good, yeah. It's just crazy good. It's crazy so good. good. It's yeah, it's great. Uh, what? Let me ask you this: Where would you rank this among comedy horror films? Is that too oh, hard of a question? I think it's near the top. It's certainly near the top. What it's would you like, put above this? Probably only Shaun of the Dead. Really? Because it's like a a person I. I love Shaun of the Dead. It's like a very I think that's personal. a fine movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I, no, no, no. That's a great movie. I don't know if I'd put Shaun of the Dead above this. I might. <sighs> Werewolf in London probably for me. Uh, Fright Night yeah, for me. Yeah, that's a good. Well, okay, like Fright. If you're considering Fright Night a comedy, it horror, definitely is, horror. right? Fright Night's a comedy. I mean, horror. it's funny. It is funny, but I don't. I, I think characters are funny. I don't think it's a comedy horror. Well, but, but I that's think a, that works. Okay. All right. But that would Evil be Dead Two because I love that. Yeah, Evil Dead Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evil Dead Two is is quite very good different movie, though. Evil Dead Two is slapstick and it's hard to, you know, pu- like I-, I think this is a better horror movie than Evil Dead Two because Evil oh. Dead Two isn't even a horror movie really. It's I, I guess I guess not. It's kind of an action movie really. Like when <laughs> you think about it, it's like kind of a comedy action movie with horror elements. I <laughs> and I love that movie. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, maybe we just pissed everyone off. I'm, I, hey, I'm not saying anything bad about fucking. <laughs> I love Evil Dead Two so much. About Evil Dead Two, I fucking love that movie. That's Me one too. Of one of my favorite movies of all fucking time. Um, I'm an Evil Dead Two over Evil Dead One guy personally. 
maybe that'll piss other people off too. No, uh, no, I think that's fair. I think my, I think my favorite is the franchise is still Army of Darkness, personally. Yeah, I, I don't mention Army of Darkness because that's just clearly that's not a horror just, movie. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? That's like, not really a horror movie. No, I, no, no. Fucking that's Sword an and Sorcery. Movie. I like, yeah, it's a Sword and Sorcery. Fucking, I, you know, Beastmaster 2. If you have Sword and Sorcery traveling through time, I'm <laughs> watching that Master fucking movie. Beastmaster 2. Beastmaster 2. Beastmaster the fucking Masters of the Universe movie with that troll playing the Power Glove or whatever the fuck happens in that movie. Love it. We'll watch. I think there's even um, a Warlock movie where they do that shit too. That might even be the first Warlock movie. Love that shit. You give me a sword and sorcery through time movie, fuck yeah. So obviously, <laughs> I'm all in on one of the best of those, you know, Army of Darkness. But yeah. One of the best. Like, it isn't clearly the best one of the. Th- well, you're gonna put Beastmaster 2 above it? Fuck I off. might. <laughs> I've never I seen fucking l- it's not that good. But I love Beastmaster. You know, he's got ferrets. But what? Dude, he's Beastmaster, got the first one is amazing because you get like a high five between like a ferret and like a fucking cougar. They, Fuck they yeah. Not a woman cougar, like an actual cougar. <laughs> oh. Also, that would be funny though. <laughs> I, yeah, they fucking rock. Beastmaster, but especially, especially <laughs> Return of the Living Dead. It's a golden. <laughs> It'll never go bad. It'll never, you know, um, always down to party, and fucking punk rock forever. You know. I guess that ends the episode. I hope you yeah. enjoy. <laughs> yeah, punk rock forever, pretty much. The mm, yeah, baby. Watch this movie. Fuck clearly. yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the LV 426 Degrees of Alien podcast. Please give us a review on whichever platform you use to find us. If you have any recommendations, comments, complaints, or angry outbursts, go ahead and send them to roebuck.andrew at gmail.com. That's R-O-E-B-U-C-K dot A-N-D-R-E-W at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And have a wonderful night.